0: From the dark web to your radio dial, you are listening to CyberTalk Radio on News 1200
1: WOAI. Welcome to CyberTalk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran, and I'm joined this week in episode number 99. We've almost been on WAI now for for two years. Uh, This has been fun to get uh, lots of information out about what's going on in the San Antonio cybersecurity ecosystem. If you're new and this is the first time you've uh, had your radio dial on on Saturday nights when we've come on the air, we talk all about some super nerdy cybersecurity things, but then we we also get into uh, education quite a bit on the program because in the cybersecurity world and all these things, that are going on with hackers. If we don't have kids that are getting interested to learn all of these things and want to go down that path, really starting all the way down at the middle school level, uh, they start making choices. And if we're not pointing them in the right direction, we're not going to be able to fill all these jobs. Uh, There's already hundreds of thousands of openings, and by the time your middle schoolers and high schoolers are out of high school or through college, uh, there's going to be potentially millions of jobs related to uh... the digital revolution here that we're still having is this internet boom is is not coming to an end it's really starting to become a more mainstream core component of the economy and as much as everyone talks about uh... amazon and, and e commerce and everything now uh, still less than twenty percent of our commerce is done on the internet today so if you think about uh, your kids your kids have not missed the engineering and technology revolution um, from a, a career and workforce perspective, there's much more to go. And this week, we're going to be talking in those areas as well here in San Antonio and Bexar County. We have a number of innovative programs that are helping raise awareness around STEM, STEAM education, and i joined this week by... Raul and Cliff, and I will let them uh, introduce themselves here in just a moment to share, and then we'll be talking about all these uh, education opportunities and things that are going on uh, in this area. If you're not going to be able to stay with us here on the air, you can listen to the rebroadcast of this. It'll go up on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com on Tuesday, August 21st. Uh, You can also find it on iTunes podcasts or Pocket Casts or any of the podcasting applications out there. If you use a podcasting app and can't find our program in it, reach out to us on Twitter or Facebook and let us know. We will add it in and we will get you a t-shirt. So uh, Cliff, Raul, who wants to kind of go first and uh, do the main introductions here?
2: Well, first of all, thank you for having us on, Brett. Uh, this is a great opportunity to really talk about something that's uh, very, very important for you know, our city. Uh, I grew up on the south side of San Antonio and uh, went to South San and uh, had a wonderful opportunity to be exposed to computers in high school which was unheard of because uh, back in the 60s <laughs> when no one even knew what it was and so from there um, I had a great uh, opportunity to attend uh, A&M in electrical engineering and then went on to work for Bell labs out east in, uh, in the area of computing and uh, Columbia in computer science and then eventually got a doctorate in computer si- I mean in uh, higher ed at A&M again however I think the biggest thing is that you know, having been exposed at an early age to uh, software development made a huge impact on my life and affected me f- ever, you know, from that point forward. And so that's why this is so important for our young students. And uh, after I retired early from the Bell system, uh, particularly SBC and what became now again at and um, I had an opportunity to work at UTSA running the pre-freshman engineering program, which has been around now for 40 years. And it's a program that really prepares middle and high school kids. It's national for um, engineering, science, mathematics, technology uh, areas. So that whole um, experience really opened my eyes even more to the value of uh, exposing our youth to STEM careers. And we'll talk more about how this uh, eventually got us to where we're at now. Uh, but that kind of gives you a little bit of a background as to where where I'm coming from and why this is so important because there's a major movement going on within our country related to stem education and we'll talk more about what that really means
0: and i have my own story about uh computers when i was young uh brett thank you for uh, inviting us onto the program my name is cliff zentcraft uh, my my computer story when i was young is i had a chemistry teacher when i was in 10th grade decide that we needed to learn about trs 80s and went down to the local radio shack and, and brought for those machines in, and by the end of the next year, I was spending two hours after school every day in the computer lab, uh, writing programs like Tri-Tacto, which you know I remember with great fondness. But anyway, uh, I, I was on the north side of town at Lee High School. I'm a Trinity University graduate, uh, worked uh, as a software developer in town for some time. Uh, the last job I had in that space was at Secure Logics Corporation. I was employee number 23, was there for about three and a half years. Uh, right in that time frame, there was an effort in town uh, called Sitai some who have been around might be familiar with that name, as the uh, San Antonio Technology Accelerator Initiative. And I had a couple of folks approach me and say, we want to start an IT and security academy here in town. We've already started an aerospace academy and we want to make a second one. And that was really, in hindsight, a career change for me, where I went from being a software developer and manager and executive to being in the educational technology space. Uh, I eventually went back and got a master's in technology commercialization uh, at a place called the IC Squared Institute in UT Austin. And continued to run my business uh, in the ed tech space, serving middle and high schools, uh, community colleges, also universities. And through that work at UT Austin, got involved in innovation training. And I now get to travel around the country and around the world uh, helping Entrepreneurs learn how to bring their pro- bring their product ideas to market and uh, Eventually went back and got a doctorate in learning technologies And that means that I'm a little dangerous sitting here uh, yeah. talking about stem and steam and and uh, but I have a particular interest and and some of my uh, research has been In the area of how stem education and steam education intersects with regional technology Policies and why those two should be intentionally integrated yeah. Uh, so again, thank you for being here. I'm uh, looking forward to the conversation.
1: Absolutely. So, what are you 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 guys working on together now?
2: Well, so you know, in about uh, 2017, early 2017, we got involved, and and uh, Cliff has been an integral part of uh, this initiative when um, we became aware of uh, via the Department of Education that there was a STEM learning ecosystem initiative that was. Um, basically been around for at that time at least three or four years at the national level and as well as international and uh, this was an opportunity for cities to apply to become in essence uh, members of communities of practice at the international level that would really uh, you know be supported by an organization that has an amazing history in in uh, STEM education and I'll differentiate STEM education by the way from STEM because um, STEM education is really about preparing students for, uh, in essence, problem solving, for critical thinking, for collaborative work, you know, working in teams, for communication. And those areas are critical because they apply to all students. Every student that has that kind of a background will be able to work in whatever field they so desire. So we so we were involved with this organization because of that, because it also helps engage teachers, take them to another level. And so we worked uh, uh, together with some of the leaders and uh, Cliff was uh, at that time running say STEMIC as a chair. And uh, but one of the key things that happened, Brett, is that uh, during that process, uh, October of last uh, year, uh, we engaged our mayor. Mayor Nirenberg was, uh, in essence, uh, took the time to spend uh, um, you know, about an hour with us to learn about our initiative. And um, once um, he was made aware, he really, uh, you know, basically saw the value of what this meant for our city. And not only did he say, This is a good idea, I'd like to move this forward, but he engaged his staff in helping us move this forward. And that, from that point on, it just took everything to another level, as you might uh, surmise, and just made it a, a great opportunity for us to, to go forward. And so at that point, we started working on an application which took us about a year and uh, we ended up applying in May. It's a competitive process and uh, it's a very lengthy and complicated but very well thought out. Appreciate you working through it. It worked, yeah, we did it together as groups and uh, we formed 18 committees and uh, bottom line is um, in June we got word that we were uh, selected. There were uh, originally 39 communities across the United States and um, some around the world but they were in a different bracket who applied and uh, basically, of those, uh, I think 27 really submitted an application, and of those, 10 were selected within our uh, nation, and we were one of them. And I do remember seeing that one of the other communities that was interested was the Dallas-Fort Worth area, which is huge. Obviously, they're, they're not a, a part yet, and, uh, but San Antonio prevailed, and I think it's to the credit of our community that we were able to come together.
1: So the, the only city in Texas?
2: No, no, Austin was there before Austin. us. Oh, so, <laughs> yeah.
1: us and Austin. So, the, yes. yeah, what eventually, and I'll say this and, and people will cover their ears or maybe turn the radio off, but I think that Austin and San Antonio need to be one metro at, at some point. Um, and, uh, may uh, may need... I say amen, brother, to that? Yes, yeah, please, yeah. Uh, and, yeah.
0: and and if I may add, there's a, actually a little quote I like to use a lot that by 2050, the San Antonio Austin uh, MSA will have between eight and 10 million people. Yeah. I, you know, and we're so complimentary, right? You know, we, I, I think we need to get past some of the rivalry. You know, the rivalry is good, right? I mean, it, it helps motivate both you know, both, both sides at some level. But we also need to cooperate a lot more. And I see that a lot, you know, living here. This is home. Yeah. But spending a decent amount of time there.
1: Yeah. And, and Austin and the listeners, if you're, because the 1,200 will go all the way up into Austin. So if you're up there, if you even add Austin and San Antonio together, economically, we're still half the size of the DFW Metro. So, um, we really need to to cooperate and and become the third major metro uh, globally in the state of Texas.
0: Agreed. If if I may add to to some things that Rudy said, uh, one is I, I think the support of our mayor on this effort is so critical, and it it's not just STEM and STEAM. It, it is the way that he is making us face the issues that we have uh, in the city uh, across a broad across a broad range of areas. Uh, you know, certainly this is one. Uh, the The effort that we have done that is complementary to Savis, but but very much in line and consistent is the the mayor's k twelve smart city challenge. and in in that effort, we are exercising some of the principles that savis is is implementing, but we're doing it from the ground up. And uh, I think you had started this uh, this little part by asking what Rudy and I work on together. That's actually probably a longer list than then perhaps we could talk about here. Uh, but all of those are in the STEM and STEAM space. And, and the last thing that I wanted to add, uh, Rudy talked a little bit about what STEM is. I think it's really important to note that, at least in the view of people like me, we're not talking about STEM unless we're talking about integration across at least two of those four uh, letters in the abbreviation. right? Yeah. You know, And that is not, I always wanna be very clear that it's not to, for example, criticize a classic math class or the accountability that happens as taxpayers, we wanna know that our students are learning something in that math class. But if we are going to get past that kind of education and get into the education that is really impactful and that has a reverse beneficial impact to learning. It's not just about getting the people into career and into the workforce. There's this learning benefit that comes back the other way. I think it is really important to address STEM and STEAM in that respect.
1: If you look out into what's going on with computing and technology, computers are getting really good, like you're tri now, no one's beating the computer at tri anymore. Uh, but as you, you get into more complex problem solving and, and more areas of ambiguity, the human brain is much better and is, will be much better for the foreseeable future. And I sit um, saying this as someone who's, uh, spends a good amount of time researching into AI, where it's going and how we can apply it inside of the business that I, I run um, during the day uh, When rather than when I'm not on the radio here in the middle of the night. That And so for those kids in education, like the pocket calculator and being able to do that, I mean, you know, arithmetic now, you don't necessarily need that, but even looking up facts anymore, is it's going to become something that's available to you that augmented memorization uh is not what the the workforce is going to do, and it's not what we need to be teaching in schools anymore. So I'm super thrilled to hear you thinking cross-discipline, Combining things together, that abstract thinking and the problem solving, and, and the things that you're not going to be able to teach a computer or program a computer to do well for a, a very long time. Still. Well,
0: well. So I'll tell you that yeah, as an eleventh grader, Tritech to kicked my tail, and 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 I, and I don't mean in winning the game. <laughs> I mean just trying to figure out how to program it right. Yeah. And I imagine that kind of experience for today's. For today's students as well, and it you know it's all about this is the the sound bite, but it's all about the four Cs: communication, creativity, uh, collaboration, critical thinking. And very I think the, you
2: know the you, you hit on the the key, Brett. You know, problem solving is very very critical because uh, you know people talk about okay, there are jobs that haven't been defined yet that are going to be in essence available, and the key again is if kids know how to problem solve then they're gonna be able to address whatever, you know, the issues, and they're gonna be dealing with much more complexity than we dealt with with uh, some of the issues that we see now globally that, uh, you know, they're gonna be faced with. So that's why a STEM education at K-212 provides a great foundation, whereas the STEM portion of it, I mentioned to you, you could look at the difference, is really more at the um, university and college level. That's where you have, you know, the ability to major in physics or or mathematics or engineering, architecture, you know, those areas. However, if a child wants to major, you know, in in basically accounting or they want to measure in a non, if you would, science and and, uh, technology field, they still are going to be faced with having to deal with technology because technology is everywhere. It's ubiquitous, so we, we really need, again, for them to be valuable and effective, that foundation is critical for for their ability to you know really provide value to whatever discipline they decide to pursue as they move forward.
1: Yeah, I mean I I couldn't agree more with what you're saying there. So uh, I heard a, a term that I'd never heard before uh, just this last couple of weeks ago. So we've all heard literate before, uh, but I heard somebody use the word numerate, on like that we all actually need to be able to understand numbers and math as. People are uh, making data, uh, using data to make decisions more and more. And we have a, a large portion of our population that doesn't feel like that, that numbers don't make sense to them because we haven't built that fundamental uh, knowledge there. Is this, is this a, an odd conversation I was having no, or is this no. something that you guys as a, educators talk about all uh, the time?
0: Well, I have a personal confession to make, which is that I was a terrible math tutor to my oldest daughter. Uh, she, you know, she really, you know, coming up through high school – you know, would bring her math homework home and I would try to help her with it. We eventually found a tutor that was much better with her than I was, thank goodness. She's now a BSN, a nurse. And and where she really went over the line between uh, taking a math problem and addressing it as something that you apply rules to and having it really click in her brain is when she had to start thinking about it in the context of nursing. And, you know, there's ability, for example, to estimate, right? I mean, to me, part of being numerate is being able to like look at, what you think is the solution to a problem and say that can't be right. And then to go back and look at it again. Yeah. She crossed lines like that when she did it in context. There it is again, you learn and retain and apply better when you learn this stuff in the context of something that
2: matters. Yeah, so relevance is key. And I agree with, with Cliff and uh, what you're bringing up as well, Brett, that uh, you know, being able to have kids especially get involved with, you know, there's a pedagogy that we're uh, seeing more and more use project-based learning. And, uh, you know, that's something that uh, really provides the relevance. It provides, especially if you have uh, real-world situations, which you're bringing up, where they can connect, you know, what they're doing to something that makes sense and engages them. Because they live in a world that's totally different than, for sure, mine, and to a certain extent, I'm sure yours as well, that um, is fast-paced, it's video-based, and they engage with those types of things much more you know clearly and so when we can provide them with an opportunity to uh, work on a problem to work on a project that is uh, you know relevant it really increases the opportunity for them to engage and that's what we need because um, you know without that what we're seeing is we're trying to apply a hundred year process that has worked in the past and as you mentioned now we're dealing with a totally different environment and we're trying to apply the same approach, and we need to change that. And doesn't mean that you know, hey, it's important for them to understand you know concepts of algebra and so forth. But there's also an importance to understand the relevance. How do we use it? Why? Because as they may or may not know, it's helping them develop their thinking ability every time you know they're solving problems, and that's the kind of thing that will help them become more, in essence, uh, you know, just useful to uh, their jobs and their employers and whatever they decide to do. And I think this is one of the
0: places where SAVES can make a huge difference there are techniques out there for how you do project-based learning. Yeah, If you have something like SAVAS, those techniques can be gathered in one place. There can be trainers. There's a place that people can go where teachers, educators can go to learn to learn how to do these sort of things. I also think that SA Smart, the Mayor's Smart City Challenge, can be a place for that because you put it to work. And so, you know, you're not uh, talking about doing it. You're actually doing it.
2: Yeah, and I give uh, Cliff a lot of credit because, you know, he is what I would refer to as a master collaborator and just, uh, you know, someone I have so much respect for because uh, he really truly wants, and it's called enlightened self-interest, to be able to take, you know, what we're doing as a city and move things forward, but move beyond our own agendas. And uh, the fact that he did work, you know, in in working, bringing together this Mayor's Cup and the time that he spent on that is is, uh, amazing because I know it's that commitment to improve our city and we have people like him all the way across our city, which makes San Antonio unique. We have a very unique culture here, as we all know, and it's a culture that really lends itself—you know—it's not anywhere near perfect, but it really lends itself to collaborative work, to working together, and that's the kind of thing that will help our kids. And then when you add to that, we now have a uh, an infrastructure that's being brought to us. From a national and international level people who have been doing this and bringing communities together to help us cultivate our community that's going to help us uh, really take what we're doing to another level as well as access to research access to in essence other types of tools as well as access to 67 other communities around the world who have been working towards developing their ecosystems and then we can also work together
1: Yeah, so we I think maybe able to deep dive uh, in this into the second half of the program, but I'll ask a kind of teaser question a little bit now. So, as you talk about this project-based learning, you talk about cross-functional, the importance of cross-functional learning of combining disciplines together of of math and history and and you're pulling these pieces together to get them to think this way. This is not the way the education system is designed. You you go into to start at middle school, and in elementary school it is, you've got one teacher that teaches everything, so they can figure out how to mix different things, uh, different areas of study into a lesson plan. But as soon as you get to middle school, we start carving it up where you've got Spanish class, you've got math class, you have science class, and, and none of the two shall pass. It's like the connecting lightsabers together at that point. You get sparks and then... Uh, Teachers aren't trained uh, to potentially or maybe they don't even have the uh, accreditation to be able to teach both of those things. So a short version answer here before the break, and then maybe we can discuss this um, in more depth after the break. But how do you go start driving these changes in the way that we are teaching middle school and high school and then even on up into college. Uh,
0: seriously, the short version answer?
1: Yeah, is there a short version? <laughs> we've, we've got about uh, yeah, three minutes we, now before we, here. We're going to yeah, head into a break here for news minutes. traffic and Ru- weather Ru- update. Ru-
0: Ru- Rudy, if I may start here. Uh, I think helping them experience it might be, the one, might be the one word answer. The second thing that I would say is that there are things that you can do in a traditional setting to begin to bring these things into the classroom. It's, uh, the distinction that I make is between methods and techniques. Allow me to define that. A method is something that you're going to need a full class period or a week or a semester to execute. Uh, project-based learning, the, for example, the Buck Institute materials for project-based learning come to mind. Then there are techniques which a professional teacher, and by the way, I say that very much on purpose. Teachers are professionals. They're in their classroom. They know what they need to do to help the students learn. There are techniques that they can use to do this or bring more of this into their existing classrooms. For example, they can have an ad hoc discussion where they propose a problem to the students and they talk about it for five minutes or 10 minutes, right? So there's a continuum of things that can be done and uh, it's generational. I'll stop there. And- well, I'll
2: also add to that that um, that's one of the reasons why we're really excited about SAVIS, because it's really about multidisciplinary, cross-disciplinary, interdisciplinary, but one other area we can talk about after the break is cross sector. That's one that's very, very unique to what they're really pushing. And I think that'll help answer your your question as well, Brett.
1: Yeah. So for, for those going, okay, we started this discussion about project-based learning, cross-disciplinary stuff. What is this and why does it matter? So if you, you get out and think in, in your work life, you don't get signed at work a series of lessons to learn a bunch of building blocks for four months. And then at the end of that, then your boss says, hey, Here's the thing where you're actually going to use all those together in something. You get told we've got a project to go do. We need to go. I don't know, plan a a a Christmas party, and maybe you've never done event planning before. So you've and you you're not on the accounting team, so you've not done budgeting. But you're going to go learn enough budgeting. You're going to learn about venue selection. You're going to learn about uh, contracts for renting of space. You're going to learn all sorts of things on that to to plan your company's holiday party. And that's project-based learning, and, and we do it every single day. We don't call it project-based learning. We call it getting told to do something at work. And and you're going to pick up new skills all the time, but in school, we don't do things that way. Traditionally, there would be a, a basic budgeting class that you would take first, and the kids are like, why do I care about budgeting? And, and why do I care about... Um, event rental contracts, and why do I care about all this? Oh, well, at the end of this, you've got this capstone where you're gonna you're gonna plan a holiday party. Oh, well, if you'd have told me I was gonna plan a holiday party for our classroom up front, I would have learned this budgeting stuff and learned like how to maximize spending and on things that are gonna be fun at the party and and all of that. So this is is what project based learning is about, and that's interdisciplinary right there. Planning a holiday party, it's not just one area of of skills you're using from one class type. You're using things from arts and culture and counting and finance and all the rest of that so uh, these are the kind of things that we need to be teaching kids to get better at in school so that they're not learning it after they get out of college for the first time so uh, we will be back uh, after a news traffic and weather update here on 1200 wi you're listening to cyber talk radio and we're talking about steam education and uh, some innovative things that are going on here and we're going to continue to deep dive into this after the break Welcome back to CyberTalk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran, and we're talking with the San Antonio and Bear STEM and STEAM ecosystem, uh, Sabis, and we joined by two guests this week. Uh, if you are just uh, picking this program up here after that news traffic and weather update, uh, you can listen to the first half of the program uh, on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com or on... Uh, your favorite podcasting service, or if you would like to look at a still photo of us while we uh, discuss these topics, you can pick us up on YouTube as well. So if you missed the first half of the program and wanted to learn um, some of their background and the background of uh, the Sabbath organization, uh, we covered that. And we now, if you uh, stuck with us through that break, we'd uh, promised we were going to talk a little bit more about kind of this cross-disciplinary learning, project-based learning, and I'd, I'd ask to Cliff, for a brief answer before the break. We're going to dive into that. But before we, we get to that piece, um, STEM, STEAM. Rudy, what's the difference between the two? I mean, other than what comes out of my tea kettle is STEAM. But that's not <laughs> what we're talking about here, right?
2: You know, STEM STEM has been around for a long time. As a matter of fact, it was coined by um, the National Science Foundation. And they originally called it SMET, which is not very appealing. So they've changed the acronym to STEM eventually. And... and um, However, uh, STEAM is a, you know, more relatively newer approach. It's really about integration. It's, uh, you know, curricula that really brings together, you know, the STEM. Of course, we, we know the, 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 you know, the science, the, the, the technology, engineering. Now with art, design, art and design, and the mathematics with the key again, as we brought up for the others as well as for this now is the integration of those. Because what we're really seeing, and we're starting to see more early research in that area, that it really helps increase the social, you know, as as well as the cognitive growth for kids, so that they can in, in essence increase their creative and innovative skills. And it's also very important because what it does is it addresses what uh, I you know have called critical skills, which a lot of folks in in the industry call soft skills. Yeah, you know, which are so cri- so important and critical. The ability to present communicate the ability to write well the ability to you know work in teams um you know the the ability to, to collaborate problem solve all those uh, areas are so important to business and um, you know or, or any any area of discipline that you're involved with and yet um, these are the kinds of things that are reinforced by steam as uh, so that bringing that into so to speak the equation uh really really makes a, a really important opportunity for our kids because it also the research is showing when kids have that component they get more engaged with learning they are basically more in, uh, getting into the depths of, of understanding and so it enables us especially for kids who have traditionally not been in those fields it really engages those students as well so there are a lot of benefits associated with that but it's a it's a newer approach to bringing together you know multiple areas no
1: so yeah we uh, just wrapped up a summer internship program uh, with uh, high schoolers for the first time at my company and what we we had them working in groups of 4 and 5 all summer uh, just like you would do at in your day job, uh, and they were analyzing stuff, doing research for a week, and then they were asked to give a 15-minute long presentation at the end of each week of this internship, so it's kind of like coming to your team meeting and disseminating and sharing that information in a 15-minute format. And the first week, because they don't ever do that type of stuff in class now, I think the longest presentation was maybe seven minutes, um, because everything is so rushed. But in our work world, the 15-minute presentation to a team meeting Nothing. You do 15 and 30 minute or hour long presentations all the time. And um, you're you're we learn as adults to gather a bunch of research and information and distill it down to whatever that format is. We're going to share it back in whether it's 50 minutes here on the radio, whether it's 15 minutes in a team meeting. That's nothing that they get exposed to in a day basis. So by week four, so we did, we'd broken it up into four separate research things. So they each week, um, did research on something and then moved through the next phase by week four, they were doing 15 minute presentations. So kids can learn this stuff. They can do these things. Um, and they, they can learn these job skills, um, and career skills and life skills. Um, so it's not something you can't teach high school kids or high school kids are incapable of doing. Um, They're just not given the opportunity right now.
0: Rudy set me up for one of my pet peeves. Uh, I'm going to guess he did it on purpose, but he called these the soft skills. And I call them the so-called soft skills because there's nothing soft about them. There's nothing easy about them. They're the hardest things for for students to learn. And I think STEAM has a particular role to be able to make that learning accessible to students. Uh, I'd also love to mention uh, a project that I worked on a few years ago that became a STEAM project, even though it started as STEM. Uh, And I mentioned in the first segment that I get to travel a little bit. So I was in Colombia working on a year-long project uh, in Medellin, Colombia, by the way, which a lot of people hear that and they they think, hmm. They watch Narcos, hmm, but that's not uh, what the city's like uh, anymore. The 2012 Citibank Wall Street Journal Innovative City of the Year. Yeah. And, and, you know, so that's what the city is like. And we were working on an integrated STEM and economic development program. We had gathered many of the leaders of the city to plan the program. And they came back after what we called the opening symposium and said, we don't want STEM, we want STEAM. That was their decision, not ours. And, and it had something to do with the history and culture of the city. But I think it also had to do with the level of energy and the dynamism that happens in a STEAM program. And it, it was a lesson for me to, to see that happen and to see them make that choice. It
2: wasn't our choice. It was well, theirs. Well, you know, the, the other you know, when you look at our, the name of our ecosystem, it is STEM very explicitly slash STEAM. And, and again, I remember when we had uh, early conversations, you know, what should we name ours? We weren't quite sure and then um, something happened. We, we were made aware and we uh, connected with um, a young woman here in our community, uh, Nadia Boteo, who um, is an internationally uh, recognized um, STEAM uh, person. She's an engineer and an artist. And um, helped us really understand more about, you know, what this really meant and why it was important. Because I know there are foundations, for example, that key on STEM. And that's important for them, for their, for their need and so forth. However, you know, we have a large number of STEAM programs already in our city. You know, you have the Urban 15. They've trained over 65,000 since 1986 you know, uh, students here in our city and expose them to technology uh so there's a there's a program I was looking at this kind of really interesting and cute it's called math Th- through mariachi and what it does is it teaches students fractions basically through through that process yeah. as well as geometry through the mexican tile you know it, uh, process yep. so. yeah
1: practical application of yep. mathematics is music and, and yep. so you're getting the if you can't do math you can't play music very well and even if you're playing music you're doing math even you may not realize it Um, so this is one that just tied into this so there's no star test on any of the arts stuff Uh, how do you how do we convince superintendents principals uh, teachers that including arts and arts education is going to actually increase their test scores across the areas where they are getting measured
2: well, there's always, you know, one of the uh, most difficult things for teachers, bless their hearts, is, um, you know, people will do what, you know, they're rewarded for. And obviously they're rewarded you know, to have test scores go up. and yeah, Graduation they're, they're, rates and test scores. Yep. And they're so pushed by that that they basically have to react to it. So you're, you ask a very um, uh, you know, important question, and it's a difficult one because it's going to take time. Uh, to help you know address that now one of the places where you can really make a difference, which is another reason why this ecosystem is so important, is without a school time, without a school time opportunities. And now we have Excel Beyond the Bell in San Antonio. That's part of P16 Plus um, that really provides an opportunity for 40 plus organizations to come together. To, and now to they're part of our ecosystem as well. Process to integrate what they're doing, particularly in STEM education, and so we are able to hopefully really take as much as we can out of school time, weekends, summers, evenings, because really no one watches that, so to speak. It's something that you know is, is out there and, and can be leveraged uh, while we take the time to really show the value of you know, being able to you know, involve these other areas so that uh, educators are able to really trust more that it is okay for kids to solve and learn how to solve problems and work on relative, you know, relevant issues and um, instead of just having to take a test and practice test to be able to do well on a test, because if you understand how to solve and think, if you can think, you'll do well on any test, but it's just hard to get over that you know hump. I, I think this starts with us as citizens,
0: yeah you know, and, and, and I think I mentioned earlier, as taxpayers, we want to know that the education we're delivering works and and I think that's very appropriate. We should We should have that kind of accountability but you know, if we want this kind of education to be more in our schools, we as citizens have to speak up. But, you know, what we're doing right here is yeah. important. The personal lesson I've learned is watching my son go through band. I, I was not a band geek, but I have watched what my son has learned in the soft skills by being uh, a member of the band. Uh, in particular, he was a percussionist and, and you know, but that, that doesn't matter any of those, those yeah. roles in the band. He has learned so much. And and has engaged in life. I mean, he's on a big tour right now. As a, you know, now as a college student, you know, on a you know drumline uh, tour, and and I just see how much he's learned. And we have to value that. We got to let we got to let well, people and, represent know, us. know.
2: and I really you know second that as well. I was in band when I was younger. I didn't realize this till much much later in life. But music is mathematics, yeah. and uh, so you know that there's a strong connection again with the arts, and uh, you know th- being able to develop another part of a brain which helps in essence uh, the entire, you know, the whole student. So again, those are the kinds of things that um, we really need to continue and why it's important, you know, for the STEAM part.
1: Yeah. So is, we've, we've got this stuff going on across San Antonio, but Calib, you're also involved in Essay Smart. So yeah, what is, what is that one? Does that help us here in any of the conversations we're having right now? I sure hope so.
0: Okay. So Essay yeah, Smart, uh, I introduced it briefly earlier uh, it's also an initiative that is supported by the mayor's office. I would say was it was developed somewhat in parallel. I, I, actually, to go back to the beginning, uh, I'm on the board at Systemic, uh, which I think was mentioned earlier. And, and we had the good fortune to have Councilman Nuremberg come to an event uh, at uh, SAMSAT, the San Antonio Museum of Science and Technology. Yeah.
1: and If you want to learn more about SAMSAT or Systemic, you can... Uh Pull uh, CyberTalk Radio up on iTunes, your favorite podcasting service. We've had guests on from uh, both SAMSAT and Systemic, uh, where we covered those uh, in details. Great learning there. And it's just, yeah, more of the many things that we have going on here to try to tackle this challenge in the city.
0: Well, there's so many of them. And, and seeing them work together. So we, so we had Councilman Nuremberg out. And that started a very kind of slow-moving conversation about what we might do in the, in the STEM area. And and, uh, many people contributed to this for me where it really crystallized. Uh, I was on another one of those trips. I was in Delhi the day that our country pulled out of the climate agreement. And I was on the 20th floor of a hotel looking at what was essentially, you know, a a horrible, um, you know, smog alert going on, which is basically, you know, four out of five days in Delhi or something like that. And, and just something about that moment crystallized the idea that we ought to be using these challenges in whatever city we happen to live in to advance uh, our, no, our students' knowledge of STEM and STEAM and, you know, all these topics we've been talking about. So that led to uh, this initiative called SA Smart, the Mayor's K-12 Smart City Challenge, where we're taking the topics that are in the Essay Tomorrow plan, uh, that has been developed by our city leaders to help us uh, basically move us toward 2040 and to use those challenges as challenges for students, to, to bring them in. And the research, you, uh, you know, we were talking briefly earlier about the research that you had your students do in, uh, at Jungle, the, your interns at Jungle dis. So we had them do research, we had them do a pitch, and then we had the mayor give the mayor's cup. For this for this award, and so to me, this is an, an one example of many things that are part of SABIS. And uh, but meanwhile, we'd love for others to be involved, and you can go to sa-smart.org if you'd like to learn more about what we're doing in the SA Smart yeah. program.
1: So we promised those that have stuck with us here through the break. I was we were gonna get some more into so elementary school. We're doing well. You have a teacher that has the ability to uh, teach cross-discipline to uh, potentially do project-based learning it's like hey kids we're gonna do this thing and it, and it's gonna then they can mix in all sorts of different um, curriculum areas into that lesson as we get up into middle school and high school we've divided teachers off into specialties we've d- told students that you learn biology separate from math you learn physics separate from math class which is a little bit crazy to me but I mean that's the way we teach stuff now and that's the way I learned it but I think we're now coming to the realization this may not be the right thing to to do how 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 does this evolve inside of of the schools to um, kind of reverse this trend or get teachers collaborating with each other
2: well again when we look at um, the reason to be involved with this ecosystem one of the things that uh, they really focus on Brett is um you know, in essence, uh, multidisciplinary, interdisciplinary being very key, which is uh, important from what you're bringing up, you know, break those down, those silos is one. And then looking at, you know, how have others successfully moved that forward? But the other area that has not been uh, necessarily even, it's even more complicated, is across sector which means, really, how do we, if you have a program that's successful, uh, that, for example, is taking place outside of school, how do we connect that program with what's taking place in the classroom how do we connect that with what's taking place in business and um, that is going to take a different level of energy a different level it's a different level of complexity to address that because that's where you really start connecting you know these different uh, disciplines more directly together so that um, it even takes what you're bringing up to another level yeah because of the you know that opportunity to bring students up you know at in um, uh, in a relevant, uh, you know, world in terms of, you know, the business and uh, and then understanding how all these topics come together. And you also mentioned elementary school. Well, One of the things that um, we also need to do at the elementary level uh, is strengthen the teachers in terms of their technology knowledge and so forth to really take advantage of the fact that they can uh, get involved with cross-disciplinary, you know, interdisciplinary, in essence, work that takes place. So there's, I think, those kinds of, um, you know, opportunities and best practices that we can apply to help our own education system move forward you know already was writing i wrote down four or five things uh,
0: that you know th- this is a, a complex problem yeah. to be, to be we're, solved. we're not going to solve it, it in 50 minutes on the no, radio or, we're not and it, or or in a year and or, or maybe five or ten even yeah. it's a generational thing so one is teacher training uh, you know, right now we train teachers to teach individual classes much more than we do to do project-based learning. There are many programs out there that, that yeah, try we, to we help. We actually
1: restrict teachers from teaching things that they haven't gotten a special certification in. So. Uh, that's,
0: that, that's correct. And, and I think we also don't respect uh, teachers as professionals sufficiently to, to give them room to close the door and do that what they know will work. Uh, the second is school structure. Uh, you hit it elementary school supports it more than middle or high school does. Uh, you look at uh, at uh, schools that are working on this, STEM academies, you look at the CAST yes. uh, schools, right? And, and they are changing their structure to more of a block structure uh, where they, you have more time in a class so that you can engage more deeply. You have time for teachers to work together to co-plan and so, so forth. Principals. Uh, educational administrators are essential to this. You, you, as an individual teacher, there's only so much that you can do within the structure that you've been given. So we desperately need leaders to understand these issues. There are tools out there to do that. Uh, This is where I will go academic on you for about Uh, 10 seconds. Go for it. Okay. Uh, Something called TPAC, technological pedagogical content knowledge. In other words, how do you take technology Ways you teach and the content you want to teach, and actually get all three of those done at the same time. That's what you have to do if you're going to bring these kind of techniques into the classroom. Uh, an, another one is called CBAM, Concerns Based Adoption Model. Uh, in simple words, if you're going to ask teachers to deliver this stuff in the classroom, uh, you better watch how they react and take it seriously and support them as you do it. Uh, the standards that we introduce are also a big issue. It's going to take all this stuff to unlock these capabilities, yeah. and if we can unlock it, we will get a virtuous cycle going in our city and other cities can do this as well, where you have interplay between the ability to bring professionals into a classroom to deliver those benefits to students, or you don't.
1: Yeah, so if I look at the the daily life of a teacher, and, they're in, and if I'm a teacher listening to this right now, and you're going, I have to do more stuff, I have to spend more time collaborating with my peers. Um, right now I'm spending all my time grading papers, entering grades, uh, and, and the rest of these things. Uh, so uh, we were talking on, uh, off the air during the break for a, a bit about um, some of the stuff, and I want to share this on the air. So you gave an example. of One of the um, Stanford, I think, open courseware classes they did on artificial intelligence, and they had 90,000 students in the class. And so what, what did they do there to, to grade these? Because they didn't just give them a bunch of multiple-choice tests. No,
2: as a matter of fact, uh, you know, that was a a new challenge. And they what they did, which is interesting, is called walking the talk. They uh, was an A.I. class and they used uh, A.I. techniques to actually assist with the grading. So, you know, for the kid for the students of these are adults at the university level. But for the uh, students that were taking the class for credit, you know, there was a little bit more, you know, personal involvement with the professor and so forth. But for the uh, for those that were auditing in a way, the class from around the world. Because the people teaching it were were, were uh, renowned in their fields, uh, so it attracted a very large group. Uh, they used artificial intelligence to really keep track of their progress, so that it was done by a computer, and it it it, it basically uh, eliminated you know the, a lot of manual involvement you know the labor part of it, yeah. and yet it was still effective, and it was a great uh, in essence way to test something like that that you know could be. Uh, done ultimately in the classroom because you know, teachers do um, have a lot on their plates, as you mentioned. And, and, um, and one of the things that uh, Cliff brought up, which is very real, and that is that um, you have to really have the administration understand, for example, you know, what, what is project-based learning and what does it require because, first of all, you know, some teachers you know, may be very comfortable with the way they do things, so they may not be as interested in, at that point able to make that leap. And then for those that do, uh, they then have to you know, get the right support to be able to make this work. But if their administration doesn't have a real clear understanding of what it's required to switch, then, again, it's going to basically not work.
1: Yeah it is like is i i think about some of this stuff if you were um from a the collaborating on the lessons piece and, and just even doing interdisciplinary curriculum coordination to where maybe you're in a biology class and you're doing stuff with fractions about cells dividing and then you're in your math class and you're working on that same thing right now and then you're in your music class and, and in music they're talking about the notes and the division and you're working on that same skill across three areas. You're going to learn that much better than if you were just doing fractions in math and you were doing – Um, something else in biology and and something else different in music at that point in time. So you you get that collaboration in the school. That's not even project-based learning um, at all. That's just curriculum coordination, which doesn't happen a ton right now, I guess.
0: That's the way our brains work. Yeah. You know, a lot of times we act uh, objectivist. Okay, what do I mean by that? I mean that I've got a fact and I'm going to deliver that fact to you. And by golly, you better absorb my fact. Because it's, here's the fact, okay. Yeah. You know, th- th- then there's this other, and here's the fancy word, again, constructivist, right? Which is that I'm going to teach you, but actually you're going to learn something, then the next person, then the next person, then the next person. That is when we are successful in delivering learning to students, or mo- let me say most successful. Yeah. Personalized not learning. Black and white. But it's, it is personalized learning. And it acknowledges the fact that your starting point is different, and what you're going to retain is different, and then you're going to apply it, and that's yeah. what we want. We want them. We want these students to be able to apply these skills.
1: So, uh, if if you've got folks that uh, are listening out here in the schools and the teachers, administration, faculty, uh, involved parents that uh, go to school board meetings and uh, stand on a soapbox and. Um, try to push things in the right direction. Uh, where can they learn more about what you guys are working on? How can they get involved from here?
2: Well, I know with, uh, you know, uh, this week, as a matter of fact, uh, we're in the process of putting together, you know, our website. We're putting together for, for Sabis and uh, all the media handles that we need, you know, so that there will be, you know, your, we'll have Facebook, we'll have all the standard, um, you know, media connections that we need. So, um, but for, for right now, I think uh, you know, the, the main thing is uh, we're, we're um, if you can Google the uh, San Antonio bear um, ecosystem, uh, stem steam ecosystem, then I think that'll give you a good place to, to get started. And we have uh, more and more continued to spread the word across the county, really, because, by the way, I also want to mention before we've we, we done that we um, later also involve the county itself And so I know Judge Wolf has been very supportive in his staff as well, so that's helped us with what, you know, we're trying to to address. So all of those things are, are there and of course the city Um, staff will have a lot of information on on this uh, initiative because they've been very supportive as well. So there's multiple areas, but there will be, you know, more formal things uh, later this week that will be available.
0: I talked a little bit about SA uh, Smart, uh, but just very briefly, those were four to six uh, member student teams, grades seven to 12, uh, sponsored by teachers. And if you wanna know more about that, you can go to sa-smart.org. We're hoping to have a lot more teams next year. Uh, some of our partners in Essay Smart were systemic. Uh, that's uh, the word systemic but with an essay at the beginning and also communities and schools was a huge supporter. Uh, also SAMSAT which we mentioned earlier and if you want to learn more about these styles of teaching these ways of bringing lessons to students visit those organizations.
1: Yeah when we've had on uh, the principal of uh, Cast Tech here as well. She talked about project-based learning in detail. So yeah, that's a, a, another a good one in our past. Well, thank you uh, both for joining us this week. Thank you for spending uh, many more hours in your life working on this to uh, transform uh, the hundreds of thousands of kids we have here in school into uh, folks that are going to be able to go on to uh, long, happy, enjoyable lives and great careers because they're going to the education system uh, that will meet their needs and, and our needs as employers going forward.